everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Nice to have you with us. And uh, it's been the case throughout the first couple of podcasts this year. But I've had to wish a happy new year to our guest, and I will do again this evening. The running man, Stuart Mann, is joining us. Stuart, congratulations on a fantastic year of 2023. Nice and controversial. I always love it when somebody fights the establishment, if you like. And uh, happy new year to you, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Louis. Uh, good to be back. Right, let's just remind everybody, because it was uh, one of our uh, largest downloaded podcasts of last year, the interview that I did with you after Comrades 2020. Let's remind those people who weren't lucky enough to hear the interview what exactly it was that happened and what you highlighted to the public with regards to Comrades 2023. Yeah, well, I guess there were a, there were a number of issues. I mean, the way where it kind of started was with the cutoffs, where a lot of runners were would have been able to cross the finish line under twelve hours. Were cut off with some uh, ill thought out cutoffs, particularly the last two um, along, which impacted several hundred runners. Um, but there, I mean, there were some other other issues as well, like safety, which I picked up on. I think the one that got the most attention was obviously on the on on the cutoffs, but uh, there were some other fairly serious issues with last year's race as well, you know, which tried to bring to the attention to get them addressed so that we can, you know, make sure that Comrades um, stays, remains the best ultra marathon in the world and the standard that we would all like it uh, to be run at. Yeah, I think uh, if we start at the beginning, which is always a good start, um, there were issues getting out of Maritzburg to start with. Yeah, I mean, there was the sound system didn't work at the start. There were some safety issues at the start. Um, it came close to a crashing incident, you know, which is, which is very, very dangerous. So thankfully no one was um, seriously injured. And then at the 3.5k mark, there was this ill-advised route change, which caused major congestion. And that did cause uh, at least one runner, um, a serious in- injury, um, who, who broke her leg, um, at that point and also obviously impact a lot of runners because suddenly you've got, you know, you're squeezing close to 20,000 runners, you're suddenly narrowing the funnel before they've had a chance to to spread out. That issue had been raised by Norrie Williamson, who was um, one of the appointed technical delegates, him and, and another guy, Anna Nadu, who were the two appointed technical delegates by the Athletics Federation. Uh, they were completely ignored when they pointed out the, the safety issues and they ended up resigning because they couldn't sign off on the safety. And yeah, obviously it was pretty predictable what happened. It caused congestion and unfortunately caused a couple of runners to get injured. And of course, this whole expose, if you like, was on carte blanche. And I think that, if I may be kind, upset a few people at Commerce Marathon Association. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting one. So some people thought I contacted Carte Blanche. I didn't. They contacted me. When at the time I kind of joked, I said, at least I'm on the, you know, when, when, uh, Carte Blanche uh, contacts you, you better hope you're on the right side of the story. Uh, and I think that I was. So they, they said to me that they'd just been inundated with requests by people to, you know, to cover the story, you know, so Carte Blanche chose to focus purely on the, on the cutoffs, not on the, on the other issues. Um, you know, and I mean, for, for me, it's, uh, if you, Anyone can make a mistake. It's how you deal with the mistake afterwards. You know, and I deal with a lot of race directors, some who do fairly large races, some who do small. Invariably, a race is going to have a problem at some stage. But if you double down on bad decisions and you ignore your customers who the runners, and in this in the comrade's case, actually went on to, to insult them, um, you know, if they just kind of apologize, said, sorry, we made a terrible mistake, you know, it's not going to... F- necessarily fix things, but it will diffuse a situation a huge amount. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, 
the powers that be at Conrad has decided to double down on the decision making and in, in my opinion um outright lies about some of the decisions that were made yeah um you know so I think that's why there was so much interest in this you know um and uh, fortunately eventually seven weeks later they did actually apologize to the runners and gave them some form of recourse in a half price entry fee for this year's event explain to us the layman who've never attempted to even think of running from Peter Marisbeck to Durban or vice versa, what it means to those people that do every year train and decide they want to have that little tick on their bedpost or under their tie or however they choose hanging a medal on their wall to complete something like the greatest marathon, the Comrades Marathon, the one that we all have watched, dreamed about perhaps wildly like I might have thinking that I could do it rather than in a helicopter broadcasting at one day, which obviously is never going to happen. But what it actually means to these runners and the majority we're talking about who completed in the last hour. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things which is indescribable. I mean, a lot of people will only attempt it a few times. You know, there obviously there's some people, you know, like Barry Holland's going for his 50th this year, but the majority, you know, the, or I would say the, the, the sensible runners, We'll do one up and one down, and then they'll say that's that's enough. But I mean, it's just phenomenal. I mean, the amount of training that you've got to do just to get to the start line, you know, just the the sacrifices you make for both financial and with your time and with your family, you know, just you know is, is immense. And I mean, it does bring people to tears crossing that finish line. You know, it doesn't matter how hard and grizzled you are, um, you know, it, it it's quite an emotional feeling cross crossing that that finish line. Um, and it's just so much work. And also, I mean, for comrades as well, you know, you, you can probably, you know, you probably get to halfway and you start hurting. And, um, yeah. you know, so you're running many, many hours in, in pain. And, you know, you're overriding your brain, you're overriding your body to cross that finish line. So, you know, it's an incredible feeling when you, you know, when you, when you do cross, you know, incredible, I guess, both relief and, and the sense of accomplishment. Yeah, so I mean, there's, it's, a, it's the kind of thing people will put on their on their CVs. Uh, they'll bring up in, in conversation at, at uh, uh, whenever possible as well. You know, so that if you you'll never you always know who a comrade runner is because they'll usually tell you. I mean, I remember once I was uh, doing a marathon overseas somewhere in the UK, and I walked into registration. And I saw there was a guy there, a local resident, and he was wearing a comrade's tie. You know, that's the kind of thing people like to like to brag that they've uh, done the comrades marathon. I think more so than any any other race that I know. Yeah, it's very interesting that you say that because a couple of months back I took a friend of mine who came from Johannesburg down to Cape Town on the wine route. Um, myself not being a drinker, so I'm the great greatest tour guide on the wine route. And we went on one of these little little I don't even know what you call them, little ferry boats uh, on the Breda River. And I overheard this conversation. Somebody going, "Is that you know you know that like is that him? Is that him?" I think that obviously. But I know after the fact that they'd recognized me as being a broadcaster of the Comrades many, many years ago. And we ended up having this two-hour conversation at the wine route about the race because they both had participated in the race. And the topic of conversation came up again, which you and I did discuss last year. And it was that eerie feeling of why were there no runners in the stadium in the last two, three hundred meters that we so used to before the gun went off. And this has become, and I found it on my side, and I don't know if you found it on your side, it still is a topic of conversation as to normally there's somebody crawling in, people being held over their shoulders, etc., etc., and there was just none of that 
last year. Yeah, and, and I mean, hopefully that's the one and only time that it happens. Um, you know, so I think, fortunately, it, it took a while um, to, you know, for, for the Comrades Marathon Association to actually acknowledge that there was a problem, uh, which I guess yeah. is maybe a bit of a problem in itself. But subsequent to that, there is a new race director, um, Anne Ashworth, who's obviously a former winner uh, of the ladies race, someone who I've got a lot of respect for, incredibly um, capable uh, woman. And, you know, I know, yeah, I mean, I, I would, yeah, touch wood out or hopefully the lesson has been learned and it will never happen again you know that's the important thing you can't give back medals to people who would otherwise have got them last year but you can make sure that yeah you never it never happens again so hopefully that is the case and of course we hope that there are going to be some wonderful success stories of people who do feel that they were for lack of a better word cheated or denied the opportunity of getting a, a medal in the 2024 race, who hopefully will see big smiles on their faces and will hear commentators saying, X didn't get a chance last year, but hey, here she comes, or here he comes, we'll pick up a medal this year. What, what, after the reaction, seven weeks later, there was the apology, and after the carte blanche expose, there were some people, particularly Cheryl Wynn, who is synonymous with the Comrades Marathon, came out and said how wrong it was. What has changed since then and what can we expect this year? Well, obviously the race director has changed, which I think is a very positive, um, you know, that's, it's, it's really, really po- positive um, that there's you know, the appointment of a current runner. I think often the problem is that a lot of people in charge of, of running the Comrades, they out of touch well they're still running it like it's the 1980s um and you know the, the things things evolve um yeah so i think it does need some fresh ideas and fresh blood i think we've had the apology um for the runners i know that some of them you know kind of have accepted it and they'll be there at the start line i know there's a few people who said damage is done you know there are a few people who seem to you know, be um you know almost psychologically damaged by it and saying that they just stopped running to, after it so which is quite sad in a way i think that the challenge is always going to be that there's still a lot of inertia within you know comrades house in this is the way we've always done it you know, rather than, you know, listening to outside voices with who've, you know, generally got the best intentions, um, you know, for, for, for the race. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the challenges. So a lot of the time I, I make a comment of saying that you don't necessarily have to have had participated in sport at the highest level to be able to commentate. But it seems like you are pointing in the direction of the fact that you do need to have participated in a comrades marathon to be able to administer it is that what i'm thinking what i'm hearing i wouldn't say necessarily that's the case but i think that you've got to i think it's sometimes a danger is where you participated in something 30 years ago and you still think that you're in touch with exactly what happens and the only people you speak to are people who've got the same ideas as you and uh you know almost see the runners as being a nuisance you know back in my day kind of kind of thing um, you know, there's definitely people in administration who haven't been runners who've done a fantastically successful, um, you know, job or, you know, have been very much recreational runners or haven't run in a while who've been successful. But I think of the differences is they're open to new ideas. They're listening. They're taking feedback. They, they're not, uh, I think maybe the, if you, arrogance, I think sometimes holds back or arrogance and complacency. And when the two of those are combined together, it's not a very good combination. You know, and unfortunately, I think that there is still some of that, um, that, that, that's around. Um, you know, so, you know, I think the appointment of, of Anne Ashworth is very, very good. I just hope that, you know, the kind of the inertia that's there, um, doesn't get in the way of some of the, you know, the progressive changes, which are probably needed to keep the race 
you know, current to keep the entries up. Um, you know, if you look back to the last race or the last time the, the entries were done for full COVID, I think they sold 25,000 entries out in a couple of days. Um, I know this year they did hit the 20,000 mark, but they had to reopen entries after the cutoff. Um, if you look at what's going on in the general trend of running, the, the population is aging, you know, so how do you attract a younger generation of people into road running and getting into ultras and things like that? There's a lot of competition, not just from, you know, other running, you know, trail running and other things like that, but there's other sports which are related like triathlon, but there's also other recreational activities, which is all, all competition. Um, was contacted by a race director of, of, of one of the popular uh, Joburg races recently, and he showed me stats that there were more runners in the veteran category, which is 40 to 50 years old, than there were in the open category, which is a 20-year bracket, so which is 20 to 40. So, you know, which is generally pointing to an aging population. And, you know, you've got to try to make sure that you're doing things to to make it attractive, to build the brand, to 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 be attracting, um, you know, a new generation of runners. So, yeah, let's hope that that does happen. I know you love your statistics and you've already mentioned um, the elder, older generation sort of still running the race is it maybe that the younger generation with technology and after COVID or during COVID have found that they can do races virtually and maybe don't want to get onto the top is it possible that I could be thinking in that direction I haven't seen the virtual races since uh, yeah they, they don't seem to be that big now um you know obviously they're massive in, in in during during COVID what I do think um one of the trends that's changed um, is that the price has increased of races quite significantly way beyond inflation and this is not races making a lot of money this is because the cost of hosting races has has increased dramatically um, and I think a lot of people now are doing more club runs training runs with friends rather than doing entering lots of paid for races you know so they're going to do do that i think also just there's competition on time and and things like that so you'll probably find a lot of the younger generation they're doing things like park runs and stuff like that the shorter distance um and there's nothing wrong with that but i mean my passion is in the marathon plus distance and so obviously uh, i want to you know would, would, would be keen to see the you know see the sport grow see it being healthy because obviously the more runners there are the more interest there is there's also then more prize money for our elite athletes you know it creates that interest um, you know, that's that's where my my interest lies is in the marathon and above distances. From an administrative point of view and the administrators themselves, it must be a fine balance for them and, and must be difficult when you consider that you've got a tiny percentage who will run the race in 535, and then you'll know better than I what percentage will finish in the last hour. It must be a difficult balance for them to get right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I guess it is a difficult balance, um, but it's. I guess it's 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 their job, you know. So yeah. it's not a it's not an easy job, and you've got one job a year is to you know you've got you you're putting on one event a year, which is the Comrades Marathon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. You've got one chance to get it right, but yeah, with the right people, the right planning, um, it should be successful. You know, and I guess it is very, very different for your elites. Um, you know, you're trying to cater for them. I know that there are some changes coming in this year, um, particularly for the overseas elites, because they don't have the support of the club structure. So there's, I know that there's going to be specific tables for them along the way. So they don't, it is equal footing. Let's just say competing with South African athletes who've got the support of their, of their clubs and, and people along, along the route. Um, and then when you go further back in the field, you know, there is different, you know, people who just want to finish. They want to know that there's going 
going to be water and you know hydration and food along the route, which you know which there there there, there always is. Um, that the you know things like the, the cutoffs are going to be sensible. They're going to allow the best opportunity to finish. That they're going to have you know there's not going to be safety issues along along the route or at the start. You know all of those kind of things which you just you would expect. I mean you you, you would just take it for granted as an entrant. You, you know, and it's often the stuff that you wouldn't notice um, when you when you're running. You only notice it when it when things go wrong. You know, you would expect that to, that to happen. But there are, I mean, other things like I know one of the other possible areas for growth is in the, the female running population. And, you know, it's always been around 20% or 20% is, is pretty much as high as it got in terms of the commerce field with female to male uh, uh, rate ratio. And there's some simple things that can be, I was chatting to a couple of ladies last year who who have asked and were, were ignored for doing sort of special, um, well, say, let's just say female sanitation stations along the route, you know, for the needs of, of ladies who, who, who are running. Simple thing to do. I know it's being looked at this year, so hopefully those kind of things will be in there, you know, because that's the kind of thing that when will just, you know, makes the race easier, makes it nicer for, for the participants, you know, and it's the kind of then, you know, people who worried about various different things. You want to have make make sure, you know, that you you worried about your your running, your training and uh, getting through on race day, everything else is taken care of by the organisers. So five years since uh, we've, well, we, I would like to say we, but I'll be very honest, not me, run from Durban to Maritzburg. It will be great to have an uprun again. Yeah, I find the uprun very interesting. Obviously, with the, the, the hills, you know, that's a great differentiator. And obviously, the most famous of them being being Polly Shorts. You know, it's just, you know, that's that's really where where the race is, is won and lost. Whoever gets to the top of Polly's first is normally going to cross the line first. Um, uh, definitely in, in recent history. Uh, in, in the men's race, that's been the case. I think in the ladies, in the in the ladies race too, you know. And it's a great, yeah. It's uh, it's, it's a tough day. Um, there's uh, the the five big hills, and there's lots of nameless hills along the way. That uh, yeah, on any other race, um, you know, sort of uh, yeah. Boston's got Heartbreak Hill, but Boston's Heartbreak Hill, you know, wouldn't wouldn't even have a name in in comrades. Would be insignificant. So yeah, I'm also look, looking forward to seeing to seeing what happens on the upper run. It is very very different, you know. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, the, you know, the runners who've done well in the down run in the last few years, whether they are able to compete at the same level with the up run or we get some new uh, champions coming through. 10% increase in prize money. Um, and I guess one or two athletes, particularly Chad Stain, will be looking at perhaps breaking that record of the up run and doubling that prize money. To be honest, I'm not sure if Hedda is running. I think that I was told that she's concentrating on the Olympics. I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't looked at the the entry list, but yeah, I mean, I think I mean she is the holder of the the uprun record in a phenomenal time. I would I'd be very very surprised if the if the ladies' record goes. Um, obviously, there are a lot of people who will go for it and will attempt it. I think that they'll be be tough to to break. I think also it depends on the they haven't announced um, the official distance yet, so that'll make a difference. You know what's the official distance? Obviously, last year we had all sorts of records being broken on the down run, but it was it's the second shortest down run ever. And you know, on race day, a lot depends on the weather on the day. You know, if you get good conditions or bad conditions, that can make a make a major difference. But yeah, you know, encouraging to see the the prize money increasing. Um, I think yeah, you know, still it's just a pity we don't. It would be nice to get to the stage where the winner of both the men's and the women's race can get a million rand. You know, I think that that's a, that's a milestone that, that I'd love to see, um, you know, coming in there. If you compare 
you know, to to other sports that are out there, you know, sort of, you know, I don't know, something like golf or something like that. Um, if you, you know, look at the, you know, you know the, 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 the amount of money you win for winning the Conrad's Marathon is insignificant to being a, an average an average elite golfer, let's just say. Yeah. You know, so it'll be lovely to see that, uh, you know, our elite runners actually being able to make a living from the sport and, you know, nearly all of them have, have hold down a full-time job uh, and, and, you know, and running, running is their passion, but they running won't support them or their families. I know you say that you don't know the exact race distance yet. I guess that's because of roadworks, but we do know that it's starting at the Durban City Hall and will finish at Scottsville Race Course, am I right? Yes, yeah, no, that, that's correct, yeah. And that, of that's course, is, this is how it used to be. I mean, many, many years ago, uh, I remember. Uh, starting at the Durban City Hall and then jumping in a car and racing off the Scottsville Racecourse and sitting in the commentary box where they normally do horse racing commentary and watching the athletes come into the stadium. Uh, a wonderful feeling it must be getting into that uh, Scottsville Racecourse and finishing at what is an iconic venue in Peter Marisburg. Yeah, no, it's lovely. I mean, my last, uh, well, my, my last run 20, 2019, it must have been, which was the up run where, which, which was my 10th. And yeah, it's, I, I really enjoy the Scottsville race course as a finish. There's lots of, there's, there's, there's lots of space. There's lots of support as you come in, you know, and after you finish, there's plenty of space. You don't feel like you're crowded, which is, you sometimes are inside the, you know, inside the, the, the stadiums. Only, only thing is obviously being a, being a horse racing track, you've just got to be, make sure you don't trip and break your leg on that, on that finish track. Um, but, uh, no, otherwise it's a, it's a fantastic finish venue. And the other innovation this year, um, 70 plus category. I mean, I can't, there are not going to be too many people in that, uh, in that category, but great to see that, uh, the masters and grand masters are being looked after. Yeah, no, it's nice. I mean, I think that there is, it's nice to have that competition. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I look at that and there's some quite interesting, uh, battles that happen in those kind of categories. You know, to go and track them, and you know, I think it is nice. It gives. You know, there's not a lot of people who are running over seventy, um, but it it just does give them some recognition. I mean, hats off to those people who do. Actually, funnily enough, I ran a, a marathon in Ladysmith this this weekend, and uh, and saw Pat Fisher on the road. He's one of the. I think that she's got the most finishes for for ladies. I think thirty. Oh, she's going for this year, and and she'll be one of the people uh, in contention for that the seventy plus price. One thousand two hundred rand South Africans will pay to enter the race. If you're an African outside of South Africa, two grand and four and a half thousand for international. In terms of of the cost of entry, is that on par with other ultras around the world? Not that there many like the conference. Yeah, it's, it's probably better to compare to like a marathon major, something like that, um, because. In a lot of the ultras overseas, there's not many mass participation ultra marathons um, uh, internationally. So if you compare that 1,200 rand to like a London marathon, you're getting good good value for money. For the international entry fee, it's probably about in Nepal. So it's almost like they're paying a, a business class fee for their entries, but it does help to then subsidize the entries for, for South African runners. I think, you know, it depends, you know, obviously in South Africa, we've got massive differences let's say in socioeconomic and there's a lot of runners who don't earn a lot of money or are unemployed so for them 1200 rand is a lot of money uh, i do think one of the really really good things that comrades have done this year is that they've given a special entry to those people who are in financial need um so i, I forget the exact number now but a fairly large number of entries are made available for people who could apply for that and then they'd only have to pay yeah, six six hundred rand for their entry, which is a lot more affordable than the twelve hundred. If you you know sort of really you know you're struggling or you're only employed part time or or you know unemployed. 
I mean, I know a few years ago when I looked at, you know, you when you enter Comrades, you put in your occupation and unemployed was the ninth highest occupation of Comrades runners. You know, and obviously a lot of people may have been very, you know, wouldn't have wanted to put unemployed. So they would have put what their, you know, what their normal job is rather than that. So, you know, I think that there's a, that's just a sad reality, you know, of the, the socioeconomic situation in, in South Africa. So you've got, you know, for some people who 1200 Rand is easily affordable and, you know, they won't think twice about entering. And you've got other people who, you know, it's a massive investment to go and do. And if you've run 25, it's free. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of marathons you've had to run uh, 25 comrades to be able to get your uh, entry fee waived. Stuart, the, the race, 9th of June, you mentioned obviously the Olympics coming up a month or so after that. In overall, looking at 2024 road running, marathons, ultra marathons, it's going to be a tremendous year, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, it's 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 great. I've, I'm back uh, running again myself. So I, had a, I didn't have a great year last year. I only started running marathons again in October, but I've managed three in the last three weekends. So I'm hoping to to run a marathon most weekends, get around the country. Uh, my, my personal goal is to try and run every every marathon in the country. So I'm uh, busy knocking off things. I'll be in Bloemfontein this, this weekend. Um, but yeah, we've got two oceans coming up. Um, city to city marathon from Pretoria to Joburg is back after many years with, and it looks like some great prize money. I know there's a lot of interest in that because I've had a lot of people contact me asking for, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, for, for more, more details and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then there's you know, all these lovely, you know, out of town races as well. Um, you know, sort of all, all around the country. Great way to, to explore is to, you know, make a weekend of it. Go to a nice quaint town somewhere, run a marathon, and then uh, enjoy the hospitalities and uh, the, the beverages and confectionery and everything else that's available in the in the town uh, afterwards. Stuart, good to hear from you again. Nice to have you on the show. Good luck with uh, all of your Sunday or Saturday marathon runs. I think you're crazy, but I say that with affection. And uh, thanks for joining us on from the boardroom to the locker room. Pleasure, Lou. I've been called far worse, so, so crazy. I'll take as a compliment. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's tonight's that's tonight's edition of from the boardroom to the locker room hope you've enjoyed it great to catch up with Stuart man the running man and why not uh, check him out runningman.co.za go and have a look at his running man guide to february 2024 and obviously throughout the year of 2024 there's some wonderful articles on his uh, website and uh, always nice to hear from him. That's tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. We will be back again with more. We'll be chatting to my old buddy. And in fact, a, a wonderful memory came up the other day because Omar Henry will be our guest tomorrow evening. And I were on the 1992 Cricket World Cup, which was at around this time. And you know what Facebook is like. And I've got this wonderful memory of the two of us in the dressing room after South Africa's victory against the West Indies. I can't believe how young I looked. He looks exactly the same as he did then. I look so much younger. Well, I'm so much older now. But we'll be chatting to him tomorrow evening after South Africa's rather dismal performance, which we, I guess, expected against New Zealand. That's tonight's edition, tomorrow night's edition with Omar Henry. As always, be nice to each other. Until then, bye for now.